This is Transcend with Nat, where we're discovering our higher purpose and sharing stories and awarenesses along the path of transcendence. Hi, and welcome to Transcend with Nat. I'm Nat, I'm your host. And today I want to discuss enthusiasm with you. It's a beautiful day here in Southern California in the morning. Uh, I'm going to be starting working soon, but before that, I want to lay down this episode, which has been rolling around in my consciousness for a number of days now. I just have been really busy with my day job. Uh, So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I do these days. And um, then I'm going to then I'm going to play a compilation of a JR seminar, John Roger, my teacher, his seminar about enthusiasm called Enthusiasm, God's Energy. And what brought it up for me was a meeting I had last week. It was the day before a big event we had with the store that carries our jewelry. So for those of you who don't know, I have a jewelry business. Um, I'm partners with Set Huddy, who's been on the show, who has her health business, but we also have a jewelry business. Uh, And I want to tell you actually a a little bit about that and where that came from for me in my life and my process with that getting to this, to where we are today. So it starts out back uh, when I was living and working with JR and it was maybe around 2009, I believe, where I had a conversation with JR where he, in no uncertain terms, was very clear that uh, by the time that he passed away that I really needed to have another source of income. Apparently he saw things coming that I just wasn't thinking about or didn't see. And so at that time, um, I knew that Sahadi was very good at designing jewelry. Uh, She was also still and was then doing her health business. Um, But at the time she was giving it away to clients and she had this great eye and people loved what she was making. And as I was looking for um, something to do to create income that I could also that would work with me having a full time uh, job and working with JR full time where I could still do what I was doing with him and as well as uh, be able to work in a business and generate some income that way, um, I suggested to Sahadi, and she was uh, very into it, that I handle the business side of of jewelry and she does the designing and, and making of it. So I could do that because I was able to, it, it worked with my life with JR. I was able to do a lot of it uh, remotely on computer. I traveled with JR probably half the year at that point. And so um, this was something that I could do and fit it in with the life that we had and definitely consulted with JR and uh, would go to JR with the problems. And 
in those beginning years, especially, I made I was new. I I had lived a life of basically a monk, and even though I did various things throughout the organizations that uh, Jr. had, and and would see how he managed them. All of a sudden, I was doing my own business and um, a business I knew nothing about, and it was this very steep learning curve in terms of you know working with um, all sorts of different vendors and and learning about gemstones and and people who might take advantage of you and things like that. As there are those people in the jewelry industry and the diamond business um, who are less than integrous, let's put it that way. Uh, so learning about all of that was a pretty steep learning curve at first. And um, it, in the beginning and throughout, uh, while he was alive, Jer was very supportive of us. And I have a lot of gratitude because it's really because of him that we kept going and that we were able to keep going. And in times when we were struggling, he made sure that uh, we had whatever we needed to continue the business. And it was a struggle for me because here I was, uh, my life was very much uh, focused on the spiritual work, focused on spirits, focused on my work with JR. And then at the same time, I was dealing with uh, basically a high fashion, what became a high fashion jewelry company um, in that type of space, a very a luxury jewelry company. At the time when we first started, we were doing pieces that were maybe uh, retail 300, 400, maybe up to 900. That was getting really expensive for us. Um, and we slowly built and expanded and even through all the mistakes and, and which we would have to pay for for sometimes years uh, that we made, we continued on and did that. Now, internally, it was it de it definitely at times it was very difficult for me and I would talk to JR. Um, I remember this one time I was just windbagging to JR about here with him, I, we were doing this amazing work, this consciousness opening work, this important work, and I just couldn't get the um, why I was doing this other business and why, like here I am, then I have to deal with all these people who, all they care about is uh, turning a profit and they don't care about people and they're mean and all, you know, all the things that you come across when you're in business. And I just did not, I wanted to stop. Um, there's a number of points where I just did not want to be doing the jewelry business. And I really wanted to stop and to um, shut it down and, and I remember talking to him about why, like, that I just didn't like uh, that, you know, basically I didn't like the business. I didn't like not necessarily our business, but the, the industry. And I didn't like um, the people. And I, you know, there was some people that I did like, and but there was most of the people I really had a hard time with. And... Um, I didn't feel that I was very good at it. I didn't feel I was good at negotiating. I didn't know what I was doing. And 
and that it really wasn't, um, it didn't move me in my heart. And that I think was the big thing is that it wasn't something that I felt was expansive. I was definitely learning a ton uh, running a business, but it wasn't expansive in terms of my enjoyment and my loving it and all of that. And I remember him just telling me that the, the problem was my lack of vision. And that was really, that's, sometimes Jer would say something and it would just stay with you for years and it would just roll around and in, in, come back around every so often. And so that was one of those things when he told me that, that the problem was just my lack of vision, um, that really stuck with me and that stuck with me for many, many years. And when I'd have difficulties in the business, when I really wanted to leave and he, and I would just hear him telling me, you know, it's just your lack of vision. And so I'd work on that. Um, after he passed, so we continued going and after he passed away, uh, it became pretty his words of wisdom of getting another source of income ended up being extremely valuable because after he passed away it became pretty obvious um fairly shortly afterwards that that the that my continuing uh working uh, for the organization just wasn't going to wasn't compatible let's put it that way um, the, the, what, what they were looking for and, and who I was, what I was, wasn't, uh, going to match up and how I had really a lot of it was how I had structured my life. And even that I did have that company and that, um, I had other responsibilities and it didn't, you know, it didn't seem to be compatible with what they were uh, looking for. And so that was, um, difficult and and I got it definitely spiritually and many other ways that uh, that 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 it was time um, to move in a different direction and that was a very very challenging point in my life um, having lost JR who I was living with 24/7 uh, by the time he passed and and had been with him uh, for years and years and living and traveling and he was basically my family he was a member of my immediate family and uh, losing him was was devastating and then right afterwards a um, number of months afterwards losing my vocation my uh, my job and that was another, <laughs> that was really a tough, tough blow. And then, you know, and then even after that, um, just feeling that, you know, I, in a lot of ways, for me, it had been a very, there had been a lot of family and it had felt, you know, very friendship and family and just not having that um, community really and feeling that, that I was, you know, everything had changed at that point in my life. It was a very big thing that, that had changed in my life with all of that. And then um, really not having that same place or um, that place in the community and that, 
feeling that community. Uh, so that was a whole, a very, very difficult, very dark time in my life. And so I, I went through that. And at the time, I really didn't want to continue with the jewelry. I, I really, it was my, it was my job at that point. It was my only job. And it was what I was doing with my life. And it did not feel like a fit for what I wanted in my life, which really was just to um, be working with JR again, which obviously that wasn't a possibility and, and doing that type of work. So I, I went through that period, which was very difficult, and tried a number of times to replace myself in the business, to, um, to find a way to get out of the jewelry business for, for really a couple years after he passed, or maybe even longer than that. Um, I guess it's, wow, is it, I think it's been almost, it's been three and a half years or something now. So for quite some time, I, I was trying to get out. I was really just wanted to go uh, to Hawaii and surf and, and read books, though I don't know, wasn't sure how financially I was going to handle doing that. I really just wanted to get away um, and go somewhere else and, and not have to deal with life in, in that way. So, um, and at the time, and through all that, I also went to school and, and got with uh, GIA and got my, um, my degree in, in, in diamonds and be able to grade diamonds and be a diamond graduate and, um, and kept working at the business and kept learning and really working through my process with the whole thing. And so... In recent times, and I would say this last year here, um, a lot of a lot of things have shifted inside of me with with the business, and they've been shifting rapidly more and more. And I did get to a point where, not out of uh, not wanting to do it, but just out of it seemed that that business, there are things that happened with the business um, that it just seemed that maybe my time was actually uh, coming to an end in the business or shifting in some way. So I really got into that flow and, and we were taking steps in that direction. Um, and then all of a sudden different opportunities started coming up and so I started flowing with those opportunities. And so the most recent uh, opportunity that can end, and in that space, uh, I started not only being more expansive in how I was approaching the business, um, but I ended up being more enthusiastic about the business and about doing the business and about the job and really having more loving in it. Now, for years, I tried so hard to, like, get get to that loving in this business and I just couldn't see it you know it was that lack of vision thing again and so now though I have come to a whole different place with it and um, I'm really just following the spirit as best I know how and taking each step and trusting and expanding and taking the opportunities that 
I see available that are coming and really moving into that state of flow with what is and having that expanded loving consciousness and grateful and truly grateful for all the lessons and all the opportunities that it allows me to grow inside of me and all of those things. So it's been really a major shift from where I was really through even when JR was here, but especially after um, when this became the only thing I was doing. And this podcast has definitely helped in terms of uh, having a place to have my ministry. And so this latest opportunity, which I know this is a long-winded story, and hopefully it's been a little bit interesting uh, for you, but to get to the point <laughs> where I get to the, the part of enthusiasm, um, I, we had this opportunity to do this amazing show at the store we're in here in Los Angeles called Just One Eye, um, which is an amazing uh, luxury goods, high fashion store. And the people there, it, it's really great. One of the things that I'm so grateful for is that we've ended up finally coming to a place where the people we work with uh, in the business are just really great people. We have great relationships. And um, some of them have become even really good friends of mine. And that has been a really great blessing of this. And so we had an opportunity with the store where they wanted to put on a big event for us. So we, I mean, they, we built this or they built this table, which was absolutely incredible. I'll probably put a photo of it with this podcast, but, you know, carved it out um, for the event, for what we're doing and trying a whole new thing where people, we had all these um, amazing gems uh, that were samples of, of wire wrapped with gold and, and you had emeralds and you had tanzanite and, and all these great uh, sapphires, all these great gems. And people got to build their own necklaces at this table. And they got to, with these like 24 karat gold um, and 22 karat gold handmade chains and, and handmade beads. And um, it was like arts and crafts for uh, a luxury store and it was really fun. So they, they put, we put that together and then another station, we had all of our pendants, which we have a hue pendant, which is the sound of God. It's a Sanskrit symbol. We have um, Ganesh and we have all sorts of different types of pendants with meanings um, that are made of gold and, and diamonds. And, and it's really in different gemstones and they all have meanings. And so um, at that at that station, people got to choose their pendant and they could put it on a bracelet or a necklace. And we had uh, Sahadi's daughter was making the bracelets with Magali, who um, is a really close friends of ours. And so that it was it was all very family. And and then I had the I was working at the area where we brought in all these loose diamonds and gemstones that are really amazing stuff. And I just, so I, to come from where we came from, it was really a moment for me of just 
wow, like here JR was helping us just trying to get this thing going. And then here I am, um, the Brinks truck shows up with all our loose diamonds and gems and, and the security guards come out and I sign, sign for $4 million of these gemstones and, and I'm displaying them and putting them out and I know about them and um, some amazing stuff. And so the, the idea with there, the whole idea is that people get to be part of their creation and they could choose the stone and then we'll, you know, build a ring or a necklace or whatever they want to build with, um, with a custom piece with these magnificent gemstones and color diamonds, pink diamonds, blue diamonds, green diamonds, um, amazing, amazing uh, stuff. So coming from where we came from to that, it, it was just really an amazing moment for me. And even more amazing was it wasn't about all of that. It was about the energy that was present. It was about um, just the goodness to me, that was the whole greatness of the event. It wasn't even about whether how much we sold or whether we sold or any of that. It was the, it was the energy in the event, just the, the compassion and kindness and friendship and fun. And it was, and it had all of that and it had that energy and it had that like really family feel to it. Um, where people, it was very warm and inviting. And, and to me, that was an amazing experience that even in this business where we're dealing with, you know, high-end merchandise, basically, um, we had this event where it was really just about uh, having that contact with people and having that, that spirit present and that energy present. And... That's a huge shift um, for from where I came from. So that's what I've been super busy with uh, recently. And so now going to the day before the event, uh, as we're down in downtown LA going through the diamonds and the gems that um, we were going to send and, and getting them ready for the, the, the um, the armored car and, and all of that, that we, we were going through each piece and I was discussing the points of each piece of each diamond and each gemstone and what they were, how many carats, um, and the story behind them. And we had this one, we have this one pink diamond, which to me is just amazing because because of where where it's there's a mining area in India called Golconda <clears throat> and that's where the Hope Diamond came from that's where the Koh -i Noor Diamond came from which is now in the British Crown Jewels that's where um, diamonds for for a couple thousand years that was the source of diamonds for the entire world and all of the um, monarchies and the kings and and the royalty all over the world would get these amazing stones and they're still in different um, crown jewels all over the world from and they became this you know to say it's a Golconda diamond is an amazing thing and so this pink diamond is 
absolutely it's a first off it's a beautiful diamond and it is from it is a golconda diamond which is amazing it's a type 2a which is the cleanest it's it doesn't have any nitrogen so the molecular structure of the diamond so i'm just so jazzed and we're going through and i know i'm i'm geeking out and i'm maybe telling you stuff that that you don't even care about i mean who cares you know uh, you know you're here listening to get higher in spirit and i'm just jazzed that this diamond is from this area and is is part of this um heritage and it has you know the is the cleanest type of diamond it's and has this beautiful color and um and to so so i was really jazzed about having these diamonds and one of the people with us was like you know if you have that kind of enthusiasm when you're uh when we're at the event <laughs> you know you're definitely going to be selling stuff because i was just super jazzed about the kind of um what just looking at it all together and going through it and uh, and I, I, and so at the event, I was also super jazzed and I was jazzed because I got to, you know, people would come up and I tell them about this diamond, you know, it's a diamond that the kind of diamond that most people will probably never see, um, or be able to touch, especially the a Golconda pink diamond. So even though it's not a big diamond, it still has that heritage. And so, um, people would come up and I'd explain it to them. And then I'd be like, do you want to touch it? Do you want to hold it? And so, you know, to let people do that was to me an exciting thing. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and so that's, and so I had a lot of enthusiasm and it just so happened that this JR seminar about enthusiasm, um, came up for me on this playlist and that I listened to in my car. And, um, and so I was listening to that and it just really matched the experience that I've been having in my day job and which in, in my business lately. And so I wanted to kind of talk about that here, about the enthusiasm and about that. And actually I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I sold myself on the the diamond and i'm actually considering <laughs> not selling that diamond and keeping it as part of my taking it out of the business as part of my own money magnet and just um you know putting the money <laughs> from my money magnet in the business and and keeping that pink diamond because i was so excited trying to sell others about it that i <laughs> ended up just uh deciding that maybe i would get it myself and keep it for myself and i mean that's how enthusiastic i was about this and so that's that's something that um to me and and one of the things that just is coming to my mind about all of this and about the business is that um it's not like i i started out basically having just come off about I started this business I maybe had a year off of um, my vow of poverty which I had no material possessions that I owned in this world for a lot of years and working with JR and then I went off that vow of poverty and was on a very meager um, salary and when I started this and we built it up but it's not like I had you know, millions of dollars to put into, you know, these stones and all that. It's really been based, the reason that we 
are able to do what we do is because of all the relationships and the friendships that, that we have built in our business. And it's from those friendships which become business partnerships, um, and sometimes it goes the other way, business partnerships that become friendships. But it's because of that that all that we are able to do all that we do. So I don't even look at it as um, a lot of it. It's it's really God's in a way, you know. It's it, not in a way. It's just it's all God's, and it's been kind of a three sixty or a it's been this whole circle for me because go, going from having nothing and it really was all gods and I was completely dependent you know then having my own business and then really a lot of a lot of what we do is just based on our our business friendships our partnerships um, and being able to provide what we provide isn't based on what's in because I like came to this business with a lot of wealth or something and it it has to do with the um, relationships we've built and with the people who have um, who we've gone into business with and that we partner with and things of that nature that allow us to do what we do and so that's been um, something so it's really just all gods and it's all others and, and God working through others, and it's that that loving, and even though it's not the the mushy loving of you know let's all just hug each other, um, even though I'm definitely a hugger and and I do hug a lot of people, um, it's that it's just that mutual caring for each other and that respect and that energy uh, that we have built this business upon and that we and that makes it all available to us um, but really it, it we acknowledge God as our partner in the business and you know it was amazing you know before the event even just being able to do a blessing for before the event with everyone involved um, and to me that just goes to show the kind of people that we are working with and that it's an amazing um, it's just an amazing experience where it's not amazing in the same way as those consciousness um, expanding opportunities through spiritual direct spiritual work like that but it is an opportunity where we can share um, this energy this loving energy the spiritual energy uh, through whatever we're involved in. And so that has been something that has been really an interesting experience in terms of uh, my learning in, the, in this business. And so one of the things that, you know, that so when we had that meeting and, and the whole idea of enthusiasm and then the seminar I started listening to about JR of enthusiasm, it really brought up the idea of enthusiasm um, which really, and the seminar is called Enthusiasm, God's Energy, because, well, because that's what Jared called it, but also because um, enthusiasm, if you look at the etymology of it, it's really interesting because it really is saying in God or God in you or um, the, that kind of thing, uh, theos and en, you know, so enthusiasm is in in, literally is in God, um, or God is in you and that, or God within. Um, and so that's, 
that's the that energy of enthusiasm. And so I decided, why don't I just cut up some pieces from this seminar um, and do a little compilation for, for you uh, to get my teacher, John Rogers, take on enthusiasm. Um, and so I hope that a little bit about my story has been uh, interesting and a good primer for this idea of enthusiasm and how and why I'm even talking about enthusiasm. And so let me start this little compilation that I've created for you. When I came in here after the entertainment was going on, I heard somebody talk about enthusiasm. And I thought, geez, what a fantastic thing to talk about. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have 11 pages that I wrote today so that I could talk to you about enthusiasm enthusiastically. <laughs> Anything that's written on paper that has to be referred to will not be enthusiastically done. So what I'm going to do is do it that way and tell you how you can have your own enthusiasm independent of me being enthusiastic. Most of the time you have to go to a cheerleader and they go rah, 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 rah. Team. Then everybody goes, yay, and you're enthusiastic. That's hypnosis. We're not doing that. What we're going to do is uh, explain enthusiasm, show you what enthusiasm is in terms of vocabulary words. Maybe it might even come out. But one thing we should know is that there's power in enthusiasm. And the word enthusiasm, going back to its derivation, means God's energy. When you take any word and go back far enough, it's going to mean God's energy. But <laughs> this one specifically deals with that. And after we go through the necessary intellectual approaches into it, because that's where you have to get into it if you've never done it spontaneously, some people do. But then they also spontaneously don't. There's no problem with having enthusiasm when you have it. The problem is when you want enthusiasm and you don't have it. I'm going to talk about when you want it and you don't have it, how do you get it? Then we'll see if that works. It worked for me. I got so enthusiastic by the time I was over here to page uh, seven, I couldn't even read my writing. I was just writing down one or two words knowing that I would remember what that is when I get here. I found out when I was in New York that it doesn't work like that. But after I went home and looked over some of the notes and what was said, I realized that I did it anyway. Enthusiasm goes with success. Now I'm going to make some very hard dogmatic type statements and the statements are going to ruffle you because you're going to say, yeah, but. You can take the yeah, buts on your way home and discuss them. Those are not the ones that will produce enthusiasm. So what I'm doing is I'm really drawing very definite boundary lines around this to give you the intrinsicness of what enthusiasm is. Then you can go home and destroy it any way you feel like it. I'll leave that up to you. One thing that we must realize is that enthusiasm is contagious. If I have enthusiasm and I speak with that energy present, it isn't going to be too long until you are listening to what I'm saying. It is the very most primary energy to use a person's preoccupation about something else 
when you're talking to them. It's called boring otherwise. When they talk to you, it's like, oh, golly, this is boring. Boring is the opposite end of enthusiasm. Now, they don't go in a circle, so if you get bored enough, you start getting enthusiastic. <laughs> Nor if you get enthusiastic enough, it gets boring. It doesn't work that way. These are like continuums, end of a pencil, one with an eraser on it and the other one with lead on it. And each one are equally valuable. At any point, it starts to let you down, you can move it up again. And I'm going to go into that in just a few minutes with you. One thing, a person who is enthusiastic reeks of confidence. They don't know what's going on, but they don't have to know what's going on. The enthusiasm will carry you along. That is often all that sales meetings are involved with. That's almost all that the huddles down in the shower room between halves are involved with. It's not what's involved when the coach walks out to the picture and takes away the baseball. He's not being enthusiastic about that. But the one he waves on, there's enthusiasm there. What happens with this enthusiasm is it is, first of all, a magnetic energy, even though the word talks about God's energy, enthusi. It's magnetic. It'll move out into the group. It'll move out and touch you as an invisible type of energy. And you may not feel it on the periphery of your beingness. You'll feel it inside of you, in the stomach level, in the heart level, in the mind as an explosion of ideas, as a eureka which in Greek means I have it, or aha in America, which means I have it. <laughs> A little bit of education there on the side for you. So the Eureka Syndrome, or that process, is a byproduct of the enthusiasm already being present. When somebody goes, ah, you've missed the enthusiasm. It took place first, now you see the results. One thing when a person is enthusiastic, they move mountains. There are no obstacles. Bible statement says, according to your faith, you can move yonder mountain. Now, it really should be according to your energy and your enthusiastic approach because you may have to go get a shovel and do it one shovel full at a time. <laughs> not just the concept of mountain, move. That's not enthusiasm, that's mental gymnastics and manipulative control out of the mind. Nah, we're not into that. Let the people who practice black magic get into that. There's a much easier way called just loving from the heart, and it will bring the mountain to you by having your neighbor come and give you a ride to the mountain. It doesn't matter as long as where you're going is where you're going and you get there. It may be your money that produces it, it may be somebody else's, but the results, that's what you're after. Enthusiasm always points towards a result level, always points towards a goal, always has a purpose, and the motivation is left up to you. Now, that's the part we want to deal with. Now, what I'm talking about here is true enthusiasm, not the type of enthusiasm where your teammates a touchdown and everybody jumps and screams and yells 
That's maybe just mass hysteria. <laughs> I'm not talking about the enthusiasm that are often found in uh, religious meetings, because that could just be a form of hypnosis or auto-suggestion. I am talking about that energy that keeps right on going. I'm talking about the energy where the team is losing, and they say, it doesn't matter whether we're losing, let's play this game as though we're winning. And it comes to the end, and they win. Now, these things that are called one-shot reactions. Oh boy, I got invited to the dance. Or I got a special ticket to a special TV showing. That's not enthusiasm. That's just excitement that is there for this moment that occurs. What I'm talking about transcends the hour and the day and the week. It transcends it. Well, I know a lot of people like to stop it in you because they can't do it. And they want to stop it in you through all sorts of mental gymnastics called what? Doubt and disbelief. The two killers of enthusiasm. I doubt it. I don't believe it. Now, I'll tell you something. After they kill the enthusiasm in you, you might as well go lay in the grave. So, if you're not ready to do that, don't listen to somebody talk who doesn't know what they're talking about. Listen to what they're talking about, but don't listen to them. Does that make sense to you? Give them your consciousness. Listen, uh-huh, 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 right, yeah. I get you don't know. <laughs> and after all you're not knowing, here's how it goes. And they go, you know, they do it. When I say you can't do it, they do it anyway. People have said to me, I don't believe you can do that. And I say, okay. And they go, you don't care? Nope. Why? Because I can still do it. Even when you said, I don't believe you can do it, I checked. <laughs> and I did it. They said, was that what that, I said, you felt it? They said, oh, yeah, I saw it. Say, well, maybe you can do it. If you felt it and you can see it, maybe, 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 maybe. Depending upon what? Depending upon whether they'll go do the things that are necessary to make it come about. You can't go out and glut yourself in the flesh and lust after the baser things and think that's preparing yourself for the flow of energy of spirit. It doesn't. It depletes what you've got. And then you get a trickle charge. You have to go to bed, and the morning you wake up, and you're not really rested, but I've got to get up. So you get up, and you get going, and then through the day, things turn out all right. That's not enthusiasm. A person that has genuine enthusiasm inside of them has an energy that is very similar to sincerity, love, courage, patience. You sense it with them. It's the same type of energy. It's enduring and it's persevering. These other energies that just peak and drop, they are usually reactive, emotional, or biologically based processes. She looks good to me. Boy, am I enthusiastic. Hours later, I'm not interested. Well, what happened? It peaked, it's over. That action is biological, and we're not dealing with that. Enthusiasm, the true, genuine enthusiasm, springs from the heart, as though somebody turned on a fountain of life inside of you. And you can feel this enthusiasm and touch people, 
and they'll just start falling over with energy and they'll touch somebody else and they'll knock them over. And I've seen it in a lot of people who carry the power of enthusiasm about what they are doing and what they're representing and what they know and move other people into the same enthusiastic energy and they get up and start moving other people. Most of us, however, are embarrassed to demonstrate our enthusiasm because it's called phony, fraud. What are you selling? I tell you what you're selling. You're selling yourself. How many of you in here are married? You sold yourself to the person you're married to. If you stay married, you sold them on other things about you. If you didn't stay married, they sold themselves on something else. And you weren't part of that. We are all of us salesmen, people, persons, sales females, whatever the word is that liberates you. <laughs> we are. People say to me, oh, all you're doing is selling them this stuff. I said, that's right. You got it. Did you buy? They say, yes, sold. Go sell it to somebody else. They say, don't you want anything? No, I just wanted to sell it to you. What's the exchange? You're buying it, you're getting it, you're taking it, and you're going with it was the payment. Why? Because if my enthusiasm drops a little bit, somebody's going to come around the corner with enthusiasm. And I'm going to say, hey, here it comes. And mine will pop up again. There are many kinds of enthusiasm. And enthusiasm, by its very nature, should be and is natural and unrestrained expression. Always have the enthusiasm be a natural expression with you and come from the naturalness of who you are, what you're doing, and where you are. <laughs> That's the standard proof for enthusiasm. You get through and you say, it was wonderful. What did he say? I don't know. He never says anything. <laughs> he does it so well. I go out and I feel wonderful for weeks afterwards. And it works. Well, what is it? Enthusiasm. It isn't one where I hype you. That's not necessary. That is a form of manipulation. That isn't necessary. The only part that's necessary is to let that that is your heart come forward. And it will start producing within you the keynote energy that is present in me is present in you. We can develop it. We can develop enthusiasm. That's nice to know. That if somebody gives you the ingredients, a little salt, a little flour, a little butter, a little Crisco or whatever, they'll raise it, you can make a pie crust. It doesn't just sit there all made, but the ingredients are there and you can put it together and by doing the necessary things with it, develop pie crust or a cake or whatever. We do have all of the ingredients. How we put it together is important and the way we put it together is vital. The correct ingredients for enthusiasm come this way. First, there has to be curiosity. Second, interest. Third, knowledge. And then fourth, a belief appears. Now, don't worry about that. I'm going to repeat that a lot of times. So if you didn't get it all the first time, I'm going to come back. Without knowledge of what we want to be involved with, there can be no lasting enthusiasm without knowledge. What happens is superstition appears. We start having superstitions. If there's no interest, 
then our knowledge is not grounded in facts. There must be facts to base our knowledge upon. And if there's no curiosity to start with, there is no interest. If we're not curious, we don't ask the question, what's going on? We can cultivate and develop this enthusiasm, but we have to break the inhibitor inside of us that inhibits us from displaying the enthusiasm as it comes up as the energy. And yes, it looks like excitement. And it looks like, tell me more. Well, how else did they do it? Well, what else happened? And it looks like gossip. Except it has this other energy in there that when you get through, you don't remember the details, but the energy conveys itself and you say, I want to go do that. That's something I want to be involved in. And it motivates you from inside of yourself, not as a carrot leading the donkey around, but as a motivating energy where you say, I must go now. I must do this. Let's just say that to explore the idea of enthusiasm, let's say that you're a salesman and use that as the format here. First thing you got to do is know your product. You have to know inside, outside, upside, downside. So that when your competitor comes towards you and says, I don't believe your product's any good or there's a better one, they can't hit at your lack of knowledge and start destroying your enthusiasm. Number one key, learn your product. Get it so it goes in one ear and out the other and in your eyes and your nose and wherever else. And learn the negative qualities about your product. So that when you hear them, you don't go, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> when they bring up a negative quality, say, oh, yeah, that's there. Sure. That's the reference point we use not to go in that direction. Otherwise, how do you know? If you do not have knowledge of the product, when things in the environment come against you, you end up riding the whirlwind. You don't know which way to turn. It's, well, maybe I better get out of this. Maybe I better do this. Maybe I better do that. Maybe this. Maybe that. That type of analytical debate is the disbelief in your mind. The disbelief. The disbelief can be traced back to knowledge. And that knowledge can be traced back to a fact. And the fact can be traced back to an interest. And the interest can be traced back to the curiosity. And someplace in there, you got something wrong. Stinking thinking produces stinking results. It's okay to have stinking thinking as long as you go back and trace where it is. Because somebody else is going to come along the same path and you say, don't step in that. You don't have to step that way. Just come over here. That person who tells you that is really loving you. Because they're telling you the way that it can be. Enthusiasm is a blasting sort of an agent. When you have enthusiasm and somebody comes towards you and tries to stop you, your enthusiasm gets you tap dancing so much they can't grab a hold of you. And before you know it, you're saying goodbye and you're gone. And they say, where'd they go? Well, enthusiasm doesn't wait. It keeps right on moving. Now, enthusiasm isn't done just mentally. Today, I'm going to be enthusiastic. Hurry up. Hurry up. Doesn't work that way. Enthusiasm is found inside, and it's found abundantly, but we got to know 
which kind of locks and which kind of keys and which kind of openings we got to undo in what order in order for it to spring up. When it comes up, it can scare you because you will start accomplishing that that you dreamed of. That that you prayed for is going to start manifesting around you and you're going to say, what have I opened? Pandora's box? No, God's. They look the same. They all act the same except for one thing. Pandora's box only had hope at the end. Yours has enthusiasm at the end because it had it in the beginning. There's the difference in it. So you don't have to be concerned as long as you're riding on the uplifting energy inside of you. Once you start hoping, watch out, you're out of enthusiasm. Once you start producing, you're in enthusiasm. There's a biblical statement that says, by your works, by your fruits, by your actions, you're known. Very true. Very true. You're known. But it doesn't tell anybody how you got there, and that's a key ingredient part of our life. How do we do that? I know it's there. How? Curiosity about not having all the information is one of the key ingredients of this. Well, if we say that curiosity is part of our makeup, the first step would just be interest. You have to have interest. If you don't like your job, you don't know something about your job. You have not asked questions about your job. Some people want to quit the job and go to another one because it's more interesting and they know less about that one and that means boredom is going to set up soon in the next one. Come to the one you're at and start asking the questions. With the interest questions comes the fact, comes the knowledge. On the knowledge, you think you have it. But it will not work until you have an emotional, impactful feeling dealing with you your information and your product that transcends inside of you and you say, that's it. And you stand up and you say, I've got it. And people say, what have you got? What have you got? Tell me what you got. Tell me what you got. And you say, no, no, not now. They say, now. And you have to sell it to them right on the spot. Not in terms of give me a dollar and I'll tell you. But right now they have to know because their enthusiasm on your enthusiasm demands fulfillment. And enthusiasm fulfills itself in and through you or in spite of you. But it will do it. That's why it's so nice. It doesn't care what you say or think. Once you've set up the pattern, it goes do, 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 boom. Well, this good interest, this good reason for the interest, this good knowledge, and this good application of the knowledge has to be grounded upon the deep feeling inside of the value that it has for you as a person and for other people around you. It has to be grounded in the value. So you have to know the product and how that product is used and all the value qualities involved in it. For you to speak the truth and the enthusiasm and watch other people start to move, not as a manipulation device, but as a showing device, you show it to them and they say, of course. If you show a person who's hungry or thirsty where there's a glass of water, you haven't manipulated their mind. You've just shown them where it is. And they'll say, of course. And they'll move on it out of their own motivation. So you stand free as a brother or a sister in the spirit with them and support them. And when it gets empty, you can pour more and say, there's more there. And pretty soon they start looking at you as one who is trustworthy, who's truthful, and who feels real good about what they're doing, 
That equals enthusiasm. Enthusiasm increases itself in proportion to your using of it. And it will dwindle unless you every day get up and re-motivate yourself about the goodness that is inside of you, the goodness that you do, and still how fantastic the world is and how you work in it every day. And it takes a while for this thing to kick in and hold itself in gear because it's very easy to be enthusiastic about an immediate result. That's simple. That's just the old ring the bell, salivate, feed them. Next time ring the bell and they'll salivate. Don't feed them. Then next time they won't salivate, but ring the bell and feed them anyway. Then you confuse them. Then they don't know what to do, so they'll do whatever you want. We're not doing that. That's manipulation and control. We're laying it out and say, here, look, this is where it's all laid out. Take a good look at it. Now you can do with it as you please. And if you do it wrong, it won't work. And you can try to see which way you want to do it. And if it doesn't work, I'll show you how to put it together. Without knowledge, there's no real belief. Without knowledge. Enthusiasm comes into you as a process of the knowledge and the emotional impact it makes inside of you. Where you say, I've got to be involved in that. I've got to do that. It doesn't have to be, I've got to do that. Well, that's a little hysteria. We tell them, settle down, you know, sleep on it. In the middle of the night, they say, sleep? I was awake all night, someplace with you. We're doing something. I don't know what. I say, well, I'll tell you. I start telling them, they say, yes, how did you know that? I say, well, that's what we do. This other stuff is we wave the right hand while you're looking there. We do all the stuff with the left hand. Or we wave the left hand and while you're distracted, we do it all with the right hand. So while you're busy working about enthusiasm, I take you and move you into another level of consciousness. Then you walk out of here, you say, I don't feel enthusiasm, but whatever it is, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's great. It's peaceful. It's calm. It's loving. It's caring. It's sharing. I want to go out and share it with people. That is enthusiasm. So thank you all for listening to the show, and uh, we'll see you next week. John Rogers Seminar, Enthusiasm, God's Energy, is available at msia.org. And you can see my website at transcend.online for more information. <laughs>